0: Well, good evening. Good to see you today. Uh, We are uh, looking forward to our time tonight in Job. I just want to mention a couple of things before we do get started tonight. I know uh, you and me and many of us, all of us have been uh, highly anticipating being able to return to gathering together. And uh, we had targeted this Sunday, uh, the 17th, as our potential start date Uh, Unfortunately, with the extension of the Safer at Home, uh, we will not be meeting this Sunday. Uh, We do have a target date uh, of the 31st of this month, and so uh, we'll have some more information coming out here in the next week or so, but we will not be meeting this Sunday uh, on the 17th, and so I just want to make sure uh, that we get that information out. Uh, We are eagerly anticipating that date, and we're praying about, uh, you know, where and when and how all of that would look. And so uh, we're excited about that time that we're going to have together, Uh, but unfortunately will not be this Sunday. Uh, well, we are continuing our study in Job, and so tonight we are in uh, Job, uh, will actually be in Undone Part 6, and so uh, if you will join me in prayer as we get started, and then we'll jump into Job tonight and see what God has in store for us. Let's pray. God, we bow before you tonight, and uh, God, we just want to uh, declare our love for you. God, we are so grateful Uh, for the things that you do and how you provide for us and, Lord, how you direct us and, uh, Lord, how you reveal yourself to us. And, God, we thank you that you've revealed yourself through your word. And, uh, God, even though Job is the oldest book in the Bible, uh, God is still as relevant today as it ever has been. And so tonight, Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom, clarity, discernment to hear from you. Uh, God, to have eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that you'd have for us to hear. And uh, that you would speak to us, Lord, most of all, God, that your spirit would use what you say to transform us into who you want us to be. And so, Lord, would you be with us tonight? Would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Well, as I said, we are in uh, Job, and so we're continuing our study. Now, for the last several weeks, we've talked about the beginning parts of Job, and Pastor Tony got us started uh, as he discussed the first part, a couple chapters of Job, and the conversations that took place. Uh, in the heavens about uh, the devil coming to God the Father and asking for permission. And so we've walked this journey with Job and all of the things that he's been through. And then in chapter 5, we were introduced uh, around chapter 5 to Job's friends. And so Job's friends come in and we see this period of silence. And then uh, all of a sudden Job's friends began to start talking and they talked for many chapters. And so tonight we're going to look at A couple of things related to that. You see, for the majority of the last 20 chapters, we've seen a litany of theological dissertations from Job's friends. They've got everything figured out. They know exactly what Job needs to do. They have God pinned down to an art, and they know exactly how God should act and exactly what God should do and exactly how we should relate in uh, relation to that. And so they've decided that, in fact, Job is the scum of the earth. And he is deserving of everything that has come to him. So all the family that he's lost, all the job uh, opportunities, all the situations that have taken place that have been completely removed from his life, he deserves it. At least that's what Job's friends think. They've even resorted, as we'll see uh, in a few minutes, to name-calling in the latter part of chapter 25, where they refer to Job and mankind in general as a maggot. They say, you're a maggot, you're a worm. And so Job's friends have not been very encouraging. I would say those are pretty harsh descriptions of someone that you would call a friend. And so if you had the opportunity to get your handout uh, that Kevin sent tonight, you'll see that our first blank is that Job's friends, Job's friends Bildad and Zophar, well, they have a tight, tidy, neat little theology. They've got everything figured out. They've got God in a box, and they know exactly what God's going to do, and so their theology fits into every single situation. Now, what happens when, well, when things don't fit in their situation? Well, when things don't fit into their theology, they make it fit. What they do is they force it to fit, and they completely reject anything that doesn't fit. Now, unfortunately, I know a few people that are like that, that they've decided who God is, they're not open to any new things about God. They've decided what God should do. And they're not open to any uh, realizations that God could potentially do something different than what they think. And so they've decided that, well, if it doesn't fit into our theology, then it can't be true. You see, after all, God has a plan for everyone's life. And according to Job's friends, that plan involves perpetual prosperity. They believe in the prosperity gospel. They believe that everything that you do is in direct correlation to your blessings. And if you're good, then you get good things. And if you're bad, then you get bad things and so deserving of those things. That's the theology that Job's friends adhere to. But here's the question that we have. I'm sure you may know some people who have a tidy, neat theology They fit everything into a box and God only operates in specific in certain ways and He can't operate outside of those parameters. That God's plan is very specific and individual and that it's always good and that there's never any bad that takes place. Well, here's the question. What happens when part of God's plan is not prosperity? What happens? What happens when... Part of God's plan takes you through the valley, because that's where Job's at. Job has tried to follow God as best he can, and look where Job's at. Job has no family left. Job has no possessions left. Job's health is failing him. So is that God's plan for Job's life? Is Job so far outside of the will of God that he's running into all of these situations in his life simply because of his own doing? Does God have a plan for children that are born with birth defects and they can't function in their life? Does God have a plan for that child? Does God have a plan for the foster child who bounces from home to home and ends up aging out of the system because he or she is never adopted? Does God not have a plan for that person? Does God, have, does God not have a plan when tragedy befalls someone? You see, when we, when we talk about God's plan and when God's plan doesn't fit into what we think it should fit into, that's where we as humans, we run into a, a problem. We run into an issue and we have to decide if we're willing to be open to what God is trying to show us or completely reject it and try to force it to fit into the box that we have created theologically. After all, we as humans, we're in control, right? Right? At least that's what we think. We've got it all figured out. And, you know, if we don't have it all figured out, well, then what we'll do is we'll make it fit into what we've already figured out. There's a saying by R.C. Sproul that says, you don't have to give up your intellect to trust the Bible, but you have to give up your pride. You see, when we try to fit God into a box, most of the time it doesn't work. The Bible says that God's thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts, that his ways are so much higher than our ways. And so when we try to confine God, like Job's friends do here, into saying here is the only way that God can operate, we are limiting what God can do. And there are no limits to the God that we serve. You see, the proof that the theological system of Job's friends, the comforters, if you will, that Job had... The proof that their system is bankrupt is precisely proven by the fact that it has no power to save. After all over 20 chapters of Job's friends coming to him and saying all the things that they said, and if you get a chance, you can go back and read chapters 5 through 26, and you'll see all the things that they say. Nowhere is Job's response, that was very helpful, thank you for telling me that. That is encouraging me. That's helping me to lean into God during this moment. That's helping me to walk when I don't have the power to walk on my own. Nowhere. You don't see Job make those comments in any of those 21 chapters. The reason for that is human religion and philosophy has never had the power to save, and it never will. So whatever we think God should do, whatever uh, ways that we think God should act, and when God doesn't act in those ways, it doesn't mean that he's wrong. It means that we're wrong, because God is limitless. God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. God's all-knowing. God can do absolutely anything and everything that he chooses to do. We're limited by the capacity of our minds, which I would suggest is very limited. You see, Job's friends, they've got it all figured out. They've decided exactly what Job should do, so much so that you don't see them communicating with God. At any point between chapters 5 and 26, nowhere, not one time do they speak to the Lord and say, God, would you, on behalf of Job, would you act? God, would you comfort Job? Would you be the comforter that we're incapable of being? God, would you do something? Would you intercede here? Would you heal Job? God, would you provide for Job? Nowhere do you read, in chapters 5 through 26, any of Job's friends doing that for Job. Now, granted, in chapter 5, Eliphaz says this. He tells Job, as for me, he says, if it was me, I would seek God. And to God, would I commit my cause? You see, Eliphaz, he's talking about God. He said, Job, listen, if you've got a problem, look at all the things that are happening in your life. Clearly, you're not doing what God wants you to do. And so if it was me, Eliphaz the perfect, what I would do is well, I would seek after God. But yet, ironically, he doesn't do that. For 20 chapters, he doesn't do that. He says nothing to God. You see, all he does is he talks about God. He talks about God. At not one point do you see him directly communicating with God on behalf of Job, which is fascinating to me. It's fascinating. You see, it's easy to talk about God. As a matter of fact, our world is very welcoming for people to talk about God. You can say anything that you want to say about God. But when you get specific and when you start speaking directly to the Lord Jesus and you start speaking the name Jesus, well, everything changes. Everything changes at that point. You see, this couldn't be more prevalent than it is in our world today. We've got people posting All over Facebook, every day there's a new uh, theory out there about what's going on and what's happening and all of the bad that's taking place. And of course, we live in such unprecedented times today. And everybody has an opinion about it. And they talk about all the bad that's happening and here's what we need to do and here's how we need to do it. From the top to the bottom, everybody has an opinion about what everybody needs to do. Well, here's my question. What does God have to say about it? What what is God saying about this situation? You know, we we spent an hour and a half last Wednesday night uh, talking with you and chatting amongst each other as pastors here at the church about what God had been leading us to do and how God had been speaking to us and the ways that he's leading us and the things that he's calling us to do as a fellowship. You see, the question that we ought to be asking right now is what's... We, we, we ought not be answering the question, what conspiracy is true? What is trying to be accomplished? What nefarious act is being promoted? That's not the question that we should ask. That's not the, the, the things that we should promote. We ought to be asking the question, what is God saying to us about this? Because here's what Galatians 2.20 says. Galatians 2.20 says that I'm crucified with Christ and nevertheless I live, not I, but Christ who lives within me. Doesn't the Bible say that I'm not my own, <coughs> but that I was bought with a price? Isn't that what the Bible says? Does the Bible say that in Romans 6 that I'm a slave to righteousness as a believer? does not doesn't that, that what the Scripture says? But you see, that doesn't fit everyone's theology. That doesn't fit the, the times in which we're in. We say, well, no, there's more to it than meets the eye. You see, here's, here's, what I, here's the question that ultimately I'm asking you tonight. How many people are advocating for churches to open today? How many prayer rallies have you been invited to? I, I mean, even just right after this happened, uh, there were some comments about some of our church members that came up to the church and they Prayer walked around the church, and they prayed for God to move and for God to give clarity and wisdom and discernment. Where are those rallies at? How many people are advocating for God to step in at this moment, and they're spending that time asking God to act? You see, if people spent half the time praying about what they complain about on social media, imagine what God would do. Job's friend spent 20 chapters talking about God and zero verses, zero seconds talking to him. And so Job Job confronts them. And so we're going to pick up tonight in Job chapter 26, and we're going to look at verses one through four here to get started. Here's what Job says. Job answered them and said, how have you helped him who has no power? Job said, oh, I'm sorry, Eliphaz, far, I was unaware of how much power you possessed. How have you saved the arm that has no strength? How have you counseled him who has no wisdom and plentifully declared sound knowledge? With whose help have you uttered words and whose breath has come out of you? So Job in a sarcastic tone is saying, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that I was talking to the creators of the universe. I didn't know that you guys were omnipotent, that you were over everything. You see, the last thing that Job needed was a theological dissertation on God. He was well aware of who God is. Well aware. You see, the true wisdom of God, the true wisdom of God the Savior will not only instruct us, but it will actually help and rescue the suffering and the needy. You see, that's what our world needs today, is the true wisdom of God the Savior, of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we ought to be doing during this time. I hope that's what you've been doing, is that we ought to be pursuing the heart of God. We ought to be pressing into God. And, And I think tonight this is going to give you some helpful steps for us to do that, because here's what God's been showing me through this, is that there's things that God wants to do, and there's ways that God wants to act, and there's people that God wants to reach. And we've got to stop focusing on what's right before us. And we've got to start looking out to what God is doing. We've got to see beyond the temporary. We've got to start seeing the eternal. And so Job says, listen, God's the only one that has true wisdom. And so how does Job respond in this moment? After 20 chapters of a barrage of insults, ending with, Job, you're a maggot and a worm. What does Job do? Well, I think Job does exactly what you and I should be spending our time doing today. The first thing that we see Job do is Job resolved only to focus on who God is. He just focused on God. He didn't worry about what everybody else was saying. He didn't worry about the potential ways that the world was out to get him. Nope, Job said, look, I'm only going to focus on Who God is. Let's read what he says. He he says in verse 5, chapter 26, The dead tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Sheol is naked before God, and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon, and he spreads over it his cloud." He has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him but the thunder of his power who can understand Job talked about who God is Job understood who God is you see God is so infinitely beyond our comprehension He is so infinitely beyond our comprehension yet we attempt to exhaustively understand him Listen we can't understand everything there is to know about God. Job says at the end, (coughs) he says, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. I mean, listen tonight, friend, listen. Do you understand the God that you serve? Do you realize the magnitude of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you realize the unlimited ability of God the Father? We have so fallen into the trap of believing that the world system and whatever it is around us that is influencing us today is all that there is and that that is in control. Let me tell you tonight, that is not true. God the Father is on the throne. He is in absolute and total control. We don't have to worry about how this is all going to end. I'm not sure if you've made it to Revelation before, but the Bible specifically spells out exact details of how all this is going to end. When the lights are turned out and the curtain is is pulled, Jesus Christ will be Lord of all. And so for us to sit here and to fret and to worry, we're, we're talking about Jesus here. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're talking about the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We're talking about the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, the God of David, the God of the apostles, the Creator of all that there is. He is the first and the last. The Bible says that He is above all. And yet we sit here and we fret and we worry about the circumstances that are taking place in our life. Listen. Things are bad in a lot of different ways. And Job specifically understands a lot of what people are going through today. Because he not only went through it, he went through it all. And yet Job says, I don't even understand even the slightest outskirts of who God is. Is that the God that you believe in? Is that the God that you serve? Is that the God that you place your faith in so that every day, regardless of the circumstances, you're going to walk in confidence that he is in control? Tonight, can I remind you that we need to focus on who God is? Job said, in spite of everything that I've been through, I still know who's got my back. And that's God. You see, God is so above our comprehension. Listen, it's okay not to have everything figured out. It's okay not to understand. This is what I do. When I'm unsure of the things that I'm being told, if they're true or not, I go back to what I know is true. And that's the Word of God. And so can I encourage you tonight? Go back to what you know is true. Don't chase rabbits on what might be true, what may partially be true. Don't allow fact check for social media to tell you what is true. Focus on what you absolutely know to be truth. The word of God. The Bible says in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Focus on who God is in this moment. The second thing that we see Job do is Job resolved only to focus not only on who God is, but to focus on what God had done. Listen to what he says. Job again took up his discourse, and this is what he said. Job 29. Job said, Oh, that I were as the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in my prime when the friendship of of God was upon my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were all around me, when my steps were washed with butter and the rock poured out for me streams of oil. In Job chapter 29, Job began to think about the things that God had done. Can I remind you tonight that the things that God had done for Job is the same things that God is doing for you right now? Uh, let's think about it. Here's the things that we see that God did for Job. The first thing that we see God did is that God was Job's guardian. God was Job's guardian. Job says that you've wa- you've watched over me, that you've taken care of me in the months of old as in the days that God watched over me when his lamp shone upon my head. If you're a believer tonight, do you know that God is doing the exact same thing for you tonight? That as a child of God, he is watching over you as a good father, that his lamp is shining upon your head and upon my head. So to Job and to us, God is the guardian. God is also the guide. He says, when the lamp shone upon my head and by his light, I walked through darkness. He walked through darkness because God was his guide. How are we going to navigate the waters of uncertainty today? How are we going to make it through the nefarious things that may be taking place today? We're going to follow God. We're going to focus on what God's done. We're going to focus on who God is, and we're going to allow the truths of Scripture <coughs> to guide us to where God wants us to be. So not only was God the guardian for Job, not only was God the guide for Job, we also see that God was a friend of Job. He was a friend. He says, As in, I was in my prime when the friendship of God was upon my tent. I love that song, The Goodness of God. Almost every morning that I wake up, that song is on my heart. And I think about what that song communicates. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. We can all say that, that God has been so good to us. And Job knew that in spite of his difficult circumstances, unimaginable circumstances, he said, God, you're still good. God, you've been my guardian, you've been my guide, you've been my friend, and you've been my provider. You've provided everything for me that I need. He says that when my steps were washed with butter, the rock poured out for me streams of oil. God was guiding, he was providing, he was the guardian, the friend of Job. You see, because of this, Job was reaching out for this truth that lies beyond his grasp. And he concluded by affirming, That there is a wisdom of God deeper than anything that can be discerned. He knew that God was beyond his comprehension. And so he just began to reminisce about all the things that God has done. Can I ask you to do that tonight, tomorrow, this week, in spite of all the uncertainty that's around us? There is certainty. There is certainty. His name is Jesus. God says, I'm the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. He doesn't change. And that's something that we can hold on in this moment, that we can say, God, I know who you are. God, I know what you've done. And then number three, look what Job does. He turns inward to root out any remaining sin that is preventing him from seeing and hearing from God directly. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about hearing the voice of God. And so you can go back and listen. I believe it was Undone 4 about hearing from God and listening to God and what God is telling us during this moment. And so what Job did, now we're in chapter 31. What does Job do? Job says, look, if there's anything inside of me, God, that's not supposed to be here, it's got to go. Job knew he wasn't perfect. We, We all know that we're not perfect. And so this is what Job says. He says, if I've walked with falsehood and my foot has hastened to deceit, <clears throat> let me be weighted in a just balance and let God know my integrity. If my step has turned aside from the way and my heart is gone after my eyes. If any spot has stuck to my hands, then let me sow and another eat. And then let what grows for me be rooted out. In Job 31, Job says, God, if there's anything in me that's not of you, God, let's get it out of there. God, I want to remove it. I want it to be gone. And as a matter of fact, he continues this same thing all the way to verse 40. From 31, verse 5, all the way to verse 40. But you see, there's one major flaw in the long monologues of Job. Job insists upon defending himself. You see, he's defending himself. Why doesn't God answer Job's questions? Job asked that question in chapter 28. God, why are you not listening? Why does it seem like you don't hear me? Why doesn't God answer Job's questions? Well, it's because Job isn't ready to listen. As long as Job is defending himself, God cannot defend him. Because Job has become his own defender. You see, as long as you and I insist upon justifying ourselves... God's not going to justify you. You see, when we let go of the need to vindicate ourselves, that's when God will rise up and take up our cause. Job's not trying to vindicate himself. Job's Job's trying to come before God and say, God, what is it? What is it inside of me that doesn't belong? He gets to the point to where he stops defending himself and he begins pursuing the heart of God. He stopped saying, God, look, I've tried to do everything. God, I tried to follow you and understanding what I knew to be true about you. But, God, I learned that I didn't understand there, everything there is to know about you. And I didn't know <coughs> the ways in which you wanted me to go. And I didn't know the things in which you wanted me to do. And, God, I probably misstepped along the way. And that's why in, verse, in chapter 31, verses 5 through 8, he said, listen, if there's anything, <coughs> if there's anything that I've done wrong, God, please show me. You see, the silence of God, it ends when our silence begins. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed the thread throughout this, but God desires to speak. And it seems like God's not saying anything in the book of Job, but in reality, he's saying a lot. He's saying, be still, be quiet, listen, I want to talk to you. God's saying, I want to communicate with you. I want to guide you. But you have to be quiet in order to hear. You see, all of this led Job to find exactly what he needed to find. Job found everything that you and I need to find. Job found wisdom. That's what we need in our world today is we need believers acting very wisely. That are making decisions, that are saying things that honor the Lord Jesus, and that are discerned from Scripture, that are wise, that pursue the things that God pursues. You see, wisdom is the hardest treasure of all to find, but yet it's the most valuable. So why is our world full of deceit, so much evil, so much strife and enmity in our world? Well, the answer to that question is very simple. It's because there's very little wisdom in our world today. Well, there's people who think they know everything. There's people who think they have figured figured everything out, just like Zophar and Bildad. But when things happen that they don't understand or that don't fit in their theological, tidy, neat little box, well, what happens then? There's not much wisdom in our world today. You see, wisdom... With wisdom, God built the universe, and he did so according to his own blueprint. Wisdom's the fundamental underlying order according to which the universe is constructed. We might imagine that the book of Job is primarily about arguments, philosophies, or debates between Job and his friends, but it's not. It's about the search of a believing sufferer for wisdom, the longing to understand why in the world is this place the way that it is? You see, we're not told the location of wisdom, but our eyes are directed to the one alone who knows where wisdom is, for he has set it in place, and therefore he understands the way. And so let me mention tonight, let's listen to what the voice of God says. We see in Job twenty-eight twenty-eight. For the first time in the book of Job, God speaks directly to Job. He speaks to a human. And he says this He says, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. You see, there's only one way to unravel the riddles of this life, and that is through the wisdom that God gives us as a reward for our obedient love and reverence for Him. You want to find wisdom? Obey the Scriptures. You want to find wisdom? Act in reverence to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in saying that this is crucial to the whole book, God directs our attention away from our agonizing questions and directly onto him. He doesn't take us by the hand and lead us to the answer. No, rather, he beckons us to bow before the Lord himself who knows the answers. And so it's us submitting to the Lord Jesus. Our eyes are directed away from the search (coughs) for wisdom and towards the person who is wisdom. We ask the question, why doesn't God answer my question? To which God replies, well, turn your gaze and your your inquiry away from the answer that you want and towards the God that you must seek. You see, if you want to live in a world, in this world as a wise person, a man or woman of understanding, well, for us to find wisdom, we've got to seek the Lord. You see, we've got to stop seeking wisdom. And we've got to seek the Lord Jesus. Just as Job did. Job said, well, God, I'm going to focus on who you are. God, I'm going to focus on what you've done. And God, I'm going to bow before you and surrender and lordship and acknowledge that there is sin inside of me. And if there's anything inside of me, God, that is preventing you from accomplishing what you want to accomplish in my life, God, I confess that and I repent that right now in this moment. You see, Job was... Looking for questions. Ultimately, Job was actually seeking wisdom. And Job found wisdom when Job stopped looking for answers and started looking to God. And so, tonight, can I encourage you that God is greater than our theology? He's greater than what you and I can fathom about Him. He's greater, absolutely, thankfully greater than what we can understand and what we could imagine. Listen, in January, February, none of us would sit and say, hey, here's what's going to happen in the next three months. Nobody. And I can't tell you what's going to happen in the next three months. I don't know what July looks like. I don't know what August looks like. What about 2021 or 2025? I don't know the answers to those questions, and I don't need to know the answer to those questions. I just need to be content and following the one who's in control of all of those questions. I think our questions would be much more answered, just like they were for Job, when we stop looking to being right all the time, and knowing every possible angle of everything that's out there, and simply concluding, and deciding, and committing to simply be crucified with Christ. And allow him to live through us for his glory. Because that's what you and I were created for. I love you. I'm glad we had our time tonight. I hope this was helpful. I want to encourage you to pray through this. What it is that God is speaking to you about through this tonight. And how you can use it to honor him. And to glorify him. Let's pray together and we'll close. God we thank you for the book of Job. And God, we thank you for the reality that we're often reminded of is that we do not have everything figured out, but you do. God, we rest in the almighty arms of the Savior. God, we put our trust and our confidence in the fact that you're in total control. God, that from the very beginning you navigated history with the Israelites. God, through the course of humanity, you have dictated every single thing that's happened. And today is no different. So, God, I pray that you would just simply remind us of who you are, that we would focus on, God, what you have done. And, Lord, we would focus on being who you want us to be. God, would you do what only you can do, Lord? Would we, Would you allow us to look back on this moment a month, six months, two years from now, and continually be in awe of how you used it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I love you. I hope you have a fantastic rest of the week. We look forward to seeing your smiling, amazing faces soon, Uh, but until next time, take care. Have a great week.